0: Hi, this is dr. Pam Johnson we are resuming our discussion on CT of the aorta and this next section will review a aortic pathology let's start with the most common aortic aneurysm the most common indication for CT imaging of the aorta we have specific aortic measurements that are defined depending on the segment of the aorta to define an aneurysm as opposed to normal aorta in the mid- ascending aorta, the maximum size should be less than four centimeters. In the descending aorta, they should be less than three centimeters. The abdominal aorta should be less than three centimeters proximally and tapers to about two and a half centimeters distally. The aorta enlarges normally with age and there's also a slight difference, one to two millimeters between systole and diastole. For the thoracic aorta, there are actually more specific measurements pertaining to exactly where you measure the aorta. For example, the outflow track is typically smaller in caliber than the mid-ascending aorta. As you can see, there is a range that is typically less than four centimeters. This is an area of ongoing investigation, and that is where should we be measuring the aorta to create accurate and reproducible measurements. In the past we only had axial images. Now we have multiplanar reconstructions that we can adjust to the orientation of the aorta and the curve of the aorta. And as you can see, a standard axial section through this aorta would not provide the most accurate measurement of the maximum diameter of the ascending aorta. So when you're measuring the aorta it's very important that you measure from the previous study to the current study using the same technique to determine for any change in size over time and to acquire the most accurate measurements. Each case has to be tailored to the orientation of that aorta. So here's some examples of ascending thoracic aortic aneurysms. This is a patient with a large nearly nine centimeter aneurysm due to atherosclerosis. And as you can see, different pathologies will produce the same appearance on CT. This is a young woman with cystic medial degeneration with a similar appearing very large aneurysm of the ascending thoracic aorta. And a third patient with a similar appearing aneurysm, but in this case, With also an underlying dissection as the cause of the aneurysm. This was a young woman who had hypertension, developed a dissection and an aneurysm in the ascending aorta. The complications of thoracic aortic aneurysm. Our biggest concern, of course, is rupture, and rupture, the risk relates directly to the size. We have defined thresholds for surgical intervention five-and-a-half centimeters for the ascending aorta, and and six-and-a-half centimeters for the descending aorta. Additional complications of a thoracic aneurysm include dissection, aortic regurgitation, and compression of the adjacent mediastinal structures. As I mentioned in my previous talk, many of these patients will have concomitant coronary artery disease as well. Moving on to the abdominal aorta, an aortic aneurysm in the abdomen is defined as Uh, caliber greater than three centimeters. If the patient's aneurysm is in the four to five and a half centimeter range, it is typically monitored, but aneurysms greater than 5.4 centimeters. Uh, That's often the threshold used to dictate surgical repair. There's another parameter that we have to carefully evaluate when we are imaging patients with abdominal aneurysm, not just the size, but the rate of expansion, and this is why it's so important to compare the current study you're interpreting to multiple previous studies to really gauge the rate at which an aneurysm is growing. The mean expansion rate is about 2.5 to 3.5 millimeters per year. Most grow in the range of 1 to 4 millimeters a year. The rate of growth correlates directly with the size of the aneurysm. Aneurysms that enlarge rapidly are at risk for rupture, and At our institution, an expansion rate of five millimeters in six months or one centimeter in one year is a surgical indication. So let's review some of the CT findings that indicate aneurysm instability and some cases of contained rupture. So there are findings on CT that indicate instability or impending rupture, one reported in the literature, Is the crescent sign and here's the article published in Radiographics showing the crescent sign looks similar to an intramural hematoma it is high attenuation within the wall of the aorta it is a sign of aneurysm instability especially in the setting of a patient with abdominal pain and enlargement of the aneurysm. On CT, if the aorta has a draped configuration, this is a sign of contained rupture. The abdominal aorta, if it is, uh, it, we're talking about the relationship of the, of the aorta to the vertebral body, and if the aorta cannot be identified distinct from the adjacent structures, or it closely follows the contour of the vertebral body. You have to be concerned about the presence of draped aorta reflecting a contained rupture. Here is an article from Radiographics showing a very nice example of a draped aorta. As you can see, the wall of the aortic aneurysm is inseparable from the psoas muscle. The aorta is draped over the vertebral body. This is a contained rupture. Here's a patient that we recently imaged showing a scan from October. Again, you can see the aneurysm is inseparable from the psoas muscle. This is a contained rupture. Patient was subsequently imaged in April, and again, we see the same findings, but this is where careful comparison of one scan to the next becomes essential because as you can see, the lumen of the abdominal aorta is now enlarging Uh, and extending toward the contained rupture. This is an unstable aneurysm and this is a finding that must be reported to the surgeon. This is a contained rupture. Here is a patient with a very slow leak and a contained rupture. Here's the study from January. We can see an abdominal aortic aneurysm with mural thrombus and a small amount of peripheral calcification. Patient returned in April and on this study, there is infiltration of the mesenteric and retroperitoneal fat due to slow hemorrhage from the aorta. You can see it encasing the kidneys. The patient returned in May, at which time the aneurysm is much larger. And we can see hematoma surrounding the aneurysm. This is a slowly leaking aortic aneurysm with a contained rupture. The patient underwent surgical repair. Now we know the appearance of a ruptured aorta, clearly ruptured aorta with hemorrhage into the retroperitoneum. This is an example of a finding that indicates rupture of an aneurysm On a non contrast study and that is new discontinuity of the aortic wall calcifications. In this paper from Radiographics we see that on the baseline study the aorta is circumferentially calcified. On the subsequent study when the aorta has ruptured we see a break in the calcification. So important finding especially in the absence of a large amount of retroperitoneal hemorrhage. Moving on to pseudoaneurysm. Pseudoaneurysm is not a true aneurysm. It is a contained rupture into the aortic wall. It is a life-threatening emergency at a higher risk of rupture than a regular aneurysm. These appear as saccular protrusions with varying degrees of mural thrombus. In the thoracic aorta, these are typically the sequela of cardiac surgery, most commonly in the ascending aorta and arising from surgically manipulated locations. Here are some examples, both axial and coronal images showing a pseudoaneurysm arising from the ascending aorta to the right of the aorta. Here is a pseudoaneurysm arising from the aortic arch. You can see that it is both uh, partially thrombosed and still with a widely patent lumen. Here is a smaller pseudoaneurysm arising from the Proximal ascending aorta in a patient who underwent aortic root replacement. And again, the same patient with 3D renderings nicely showing the aneurysm right near the coronary reimplantation site. So, the complications of a, a pseudoaneurysm an aortic dissection can be a secondary finding or the cause of the pseudoaneurysm, other complications, superior vena cava obstruction, and rupture. So here's a patient with the pseudoaneurysm and a secondary dissection, shown with the arrowheads. Here's a patient with superior vena cava syndrome. We can see the chest wall collaterals. This pseudoaneurysm from the ascending thoracic aorta is compressing the superior vena cava. Another patient with the same syndrome, again, chest wall collaterals due to an ascending thoracic aorta Pseudoaneurysm compressing the superior vena cava, this patient also has a dissection, as you can see, extending into the descending thoracic aorta. With respect to abdominal aortic pseudoaneurysms, these arise secondary to trauma, intervention, or infection. Here's a nice example of a postoperative patient with an abdominal aortic pseudoaneurysm, saccular aneurysm protruding from the lumen. Okay, moving on. Intramural hematoma. We discussed this briefly during the section on protocol optimization. An intramural hematoma, strictly defined, is an isolated pathology resulting from intramural hemorrhage into the vasovasorum. However, we have subsequently learned that there are secondary causes, including intimal tear, penetrating ulcer, or dissection with thrombosis of the false lumen. All of these can lead to intramural hematoma. Here is a nice case of an ascending thoracic aortic intimal defect causing an intramural hematoma. We see the intramural hematoma with shown with the arrowheads and an arrow pointing to the small intimal defect, which is the cause. Here's a patient with an aortic dissection. You can see it best in the descending thoracic aorta and extending into the abdominal aorta and an intramural hematoma of the ascending thoracic aorta. Same patient, again showing the dissection in the descending thoracic aorta, and the intramural hematoma anteriorly. In these patients, we uh, perform follow-up. Typically, they decrease in size or resolve, however, intramural hematoma can progress to other aortic pathology, including aneurysm, dissection, and they can develop ulcer-like projections. So management varies according to the location, whether it's ascending or descending thoracic aorta, and many advocate surgery for ascending aortic involvement or timely surgery with careful observation. In this recent article, uh, the authors performed a review, and they defined certain thresholds to identify patients who are at risk for progressing, including maximum hematoma thickness of 10 millimeters or 16 millimeters, depending on the article and aortic diameter of 50 millimeters or 55 millimeters. So these are numbers to keep in mind to uh, identify patients who are going to need careful observation or surgery. Here's a patient with an intramural hematoma in the ascending thoracic aorta. Three months later, we can see that it has resolved and the aorta appears normal. Here's a patient with an intramural hematoma, and on baseline, we have a small ulcer-like projection in the um aortic arch, which at follow-up has enlarged and then subsequently slightly regressed. So these have to be carefully followed because they can enlarge uh, significantly. Here's a new article published in Radiology describing something that should be distinguished from an ulcer-like projection. These are intramural blood pools that can be identified in aortic intramural hematomas They are small collections of contrast within the hematoma. Um, The image on on top shows the intramural blood pool. The image on the bottom shows an ulcer-like projection. You see the big difference being the neck that connects the contrast collection to the aortic lumen. The intramural blood pools usually have a communication to the lumen less than 2 millimeters, or no communication, as opposed to the ulcer-like projections, which have a wide communication to the lumen. These are not as concerning as a real ulcer-like projection. So something to recognize, to be able to distinguish. Penetrating ulcer is another type of aortic pathology due to underlying atherosclerotic disease, where a atheromatous plaque erodes into the internal elastic lamina. 80% will have an intramural hematoma. The importance of these is that they can enlarge over time. Here's an example of a patient with a penetrating ulcer uh, that over time enlarged substantially and the patient had to undergo repair with stent placement. Patients with aortic dissection we all know aortic dissection is when there's a, an intimal flap that creates true and false lumen. Many causes including aneurysm, hypertension, trauma, collagen vascular disease. The classification just quickly reviewed depending on whether the dissection involves the ascending or the descending aorta. And on CT, uh, our assessment is to evaluate both the dissection and involvement of the branch vessels. So here's an example of the spiraling dissection as it extends down the lumen of the thoracic aorta. It typically spirals in this fashion. And when we get to the abdomen we need to determine which lumen the arteries are arising from. So in this case the celiac origin is from the false lumen and the SMA is from the true lumen. This is Very rare. They typically arise from the same lumen. Some of the complications include rupture, pericardial tamponade, end organ ischemia, and over time the false lumen can dilate, resulting in aneurysm formation. Our role is to characterize the dissection and identify the branch artery origins. In this case, the celiac and the SMA are arising from the same lumen. Interesting case with multiple renal arteries to both kidneys resulting in diminished perfusion by those arteries that are supplied by the false lumen. Nicely shown with the MPRs and the volume rendering. You can see the differential enhancement of the two kidneys, upper pole versus lower pole. Here's a patient with a hemopericardium, uh, one of the more s- serious complications with a high risk in a patient with an aortic dissection. And I think we'll stop there and when I come back we will move on to post-operative imaging of the aorta thank you